0: Beta alanine is one of those products that is pretty much unanimously acknowledged as a benefit for human athletic performance. We've had it in our total strength and performance, but it's such a good ingredient, we wanted to come out with the very best form in its own unique standalone product. So if you're interested in increasing your performance in the gym, take some beta alanine. It's a radically unique feeling. I mean, we actually created a formula that helps minimize the amount of tingling sensation that you get so we can really ramp up the dose have a time release effect and make sure this is powering you through your full workout but for me personally i still feel the tingles even in this formula and the tingles are this unique kind of electric feeling that's going through your body that's telling you you can do a little bit more you can do another set you can run that extra sprint you can push that extra sled you can swing that kettlebell an extra 10 times if that sounds interesting to you Definitely check out the beta alanine. Go to onit.com/slash Aubrey. Get your 10% off. Save some money on it. It is absolutely legit, backed by all the clinical research. And I think you guys will dig this product if you're serious about training or working out. Period. Get ready, everyone, for one of the best stories ever told on my podcast. My friend Alex Benayan has done some incredible shit. First of all, you'll hear about one of the most amazing startup stories you've ever heard coming up on this podcast, but then he went on to create a book and interview some of the most interesting people in the world, Warren Buffett, Larry King, Lady Gaga, Maya Angelou, like the list goes on, Elon Musk, how he got all of these people into the room is a testament to this guy himself i mean he's just an awesome human being to be around we had a great time on this conversation didn't know each other at all when we started this podcast and have since become really good friends and i think you guys are going to love him as much as i do as well he's the author of the book the third door which is critically acclaimed national bestseller you guys are going to love it i'm really pleased to introduce to you alex benayan
1: yeah, I guess the whole premise of Buddhism is to make peace with your pain mm-hmm. and give mm-hmm. it space. Mm-hmm. And that's where you alleviate the suffering. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's like, you could spend a lifetime trying to master that fucking thing. No, people do spend literally a <laughs> yeah, lifetime. They literally trying to ma- spend a lifetime.
1: Can I, t- my thing, I don't like the word enlightenment because it shows a destination mm. to that journey
0: yeah it's like enlightening
1: right i my whole thing is like i just want to keep learning and growing into it yeah and i'm very new to it i i've been starting reading on buddhism five years ago but that's the the only thing in the whole you know realm of buddhism that like makes me feel a little weird is just the word enlightened
0: right that ends with the d right i there, i think it was stan i think it was stan groff on uh i think it was stan groff on the podcast who said that we shouldn't even have names for anything because everything is in process so you shouldn't be aubrey you should be aubreying you know you shouldn't <laughs> be alex you should be alexing yeah right like because to put this put a label on something as if that is it and it's contained in that and that's what it is well it's always evolving and trans there's this even even yeah. these things even a mountain is changing in size and de. Just you know, changing its form and shape and whatever. The sun itself is fucking evolved. Like every single thing is evolving, no matter how stable you might think it is, it's fucking
1: not. And then there's that quote that says, you know, words are like pointing at the moon. Yeah. Like that's the closest you'll get. Like to say Aubrey is the closest I can get to describe Aubreying. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole point, you know? Yeah.
0: And that in, in knowing that, you know that every time you use a word, you're fucking lying. Right. Right, like there's a little bit of mistruth every time you're using a word because you're only approximating. Right. I'm starving. Only- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm I'm I am furious. You're not <laughs> furious. You're that's the closest word you have to describing the feeling. But you're yeah, not yeah. furious. Yeah.
0: A- every single thing is like just the closest approximation. Then you get to people who you know have to get more intricacies like i don't even know if this is true but it's a trope like the eskimos have x amount of words for snow like 50 right. words for snow right. right we have one fucking word for snow because there's not that much snow but if you're immersed in something then you have to get even more specific yeah with that thing that we just say oh snow are your parents from here uh yeah ish, close enough so
1: my family's from iran and there's words in farsi mm-hmm. that don't have english translations which in my childhood, showed me the difference between the cultures.
2: Whoa. Like Like there's
1: a word called tarof, which is like uh, me being like, hey, Aubrey, you want some water? You have to say no. And then I have to say, come on. And then you have to say, no, 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 I'm not thirsty. I'm like, come on. And then you have to go, okay. That's a word called tarof, and you have to do it or else you're rude. There's no word in English for it. Whoa. Because it's not a thing that people do in Western society. If I offer you water and you take it, you – are I'm like a, a peasant you know i'm a heathen. you have to say Just no
0: thirsty bitch <laughs> right?
1: exactly you took but the even, water on the first even, offer. right <laughs> what kind of animal are you right <laughs> fucking drink a little before you come over bro don't be so yeah. greedy but it was so weird growing up because as yeah. a kid you're you know taught like you know if someone offers you a cookie you're supposed to say no but i was a kid i loved cookies yeah, so like i'd yeah. go to my friend's house who were american and the parents would be like do you want a cookie and i'd be like no no it's okay and then they're like okay and they'd put it away i'm like what you didn't offer me again uh, yeah you know and i lost wow. you know, so that was a huge thing in my childhood so
0: does that translate to like dating and stuff too oh is my it god like it translates to like probably more things than trivial like water and cookies can probably- i tell you
1: something that I, I don't think i've told any of my friends my sisters this is like the biggest joke in our family though my dad went oh my god this is, <laughs> my dad when we were teenagers i have an older sister and a younger sister we were driving one day. We were driving to like my grandma's house for dinner, and my dad was like talking about one of his cousins who's like gone bad. And he's like, "She's she has a red convertible, and excuse my language, she has a boyfriend."
2: <laughs> Whoa! And like, my excuse
1: my language, she has a boyfriend, and like he wasn't messing yeah. around. Yeah. He really meant, excuse my language, she has a boyfriend, which essentially, in his mind, was like she's just dating for pleasure. Mm. Not to get married, Mm. which is like, dude, super central to Persian culture.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, and it's tough for us in our culture to obviously like cast dispersion upon that, you know, but there's, it's, it's this kind of weird thing where you don't want to be judgmental of a culture and the histories and the mores and the traditions. And you want to have the utmost respect for all of that. But then you also want to have, an awareness of the consciousness and the sovereignty and the freedom Mm -hmm. of the spirit that embodies this magical flesh suit that we fucking have and what the fruition of this actually looks like when it is radically free and you can taste the pleasure of the world like there's this so this this combination of like whoa that's interesting it doesn't agree with what i know about you know free sovereign spirit but it also like i want to respect that this is a culture that has developed this over However, long. something
1: I like to think about is if you weren't born, you know in America to your parents, would you still believe the things you currently believe? And it's a good way to yeah. check like literally go through your life and you'll see like ninety percent of the things at least for me that I believe had to do with where I was born and to who I was born to.
0: you think so still I mean i I would say I would say if like
1: I, if I was raised in the Amazon would i think jeff bezos is the most successful person in america
0: i, I but do you think that
1: not today uh, yeah, but that's I, what i'm saying i did when i was 18 i right, thought bill gates right. was so, the so most successful so person th- on earth forget about it in america <laughs> on earth
0: sure i think i think that's something that is is you're right it is like 90% as you're younger but as you like grow up and out of that you start to find actual universal capital t truth right. and that doesn't matter where you're from because you talked i talked to some of the ayahuasca shamans who are down from south america and grow up in small villages in terrapoto and we have to have translators because i don't yeah. speak quechua and i don't speak but the truths that they've found from the plants and the truths that i've found from the plants that have been the primary directives of my life and how i orient yeah. to my life and how i view god and how i view love and how i view a lot of like the major central things that i think are most important about life we find incredible synergy and you can find that in the you know great mystical teachings and the shamans the siberian shamans or the you know buddhist monks or the all all of these things Mm. they start to converge on this kind of universal truth so i think that's something that we kind of grow out of a little bit like yeah absolutely we're indoctrinated if you're lucky if you're lucky and if you're on the path of like truth seeking yeah you know what i mean
1: and that's you know pretty much just the convergence is pretty much what happened the past seven years for me Mm -hmm. which is that i Thought that, you know, each person would have their own truth. Every person I went to go interview. And then it just started to converge. But that was not the original premise of the book. The original premise was for each person to have their own little island of knowledge. But what ends up happening is when you spend seven years interviewing all these people, no matter if they're poets or billionaires, at the end of the day, they're saying the same thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And what are some of those things that are saying? What are some of the, I mean, you have some great people in this book. The book's called The Third Door, and I haven't had a chance to read it, but I've skimmed through it. It looks awesome, and a lot of names you, that man. I recommend and um, look up to in here. So what are some of the stories, and what are some of these convergences that you found in the book?
1: I would say the biggest convergence is that, you know, it doesn't matter if, in the, so in the book there's, you know, whether you're in business, there's Bill Gates, music, Lady Gaga, science, Jane Goodall. Maya Angelou, Jessica Alba, Pitbull, Quincy Jones, you know, Larry King, Steve Wozniak. It sort of covers the spectrum. And when I started out writing this book when I was 18, there was zero part of me looking for that, you know, one key to success. You know, we've all seen those TED Talks or those business books, and normally I just roll my eyes. But what ended up happening, you know, we've talked about this convergence, is that every single person I interviewed, it doesn't matter if it was... Maya Angelou, who grew up in Stamps, Arkansas, or Gates, who grew up in Seattle, they all treated life and business and success the exact same way. And the analogy that came to me, because I was 21 at the time, Mm -hmm. is that it's sort of like getting into a nightclub. (laughs) All right? So there's always three ways in. There's the (laughs) first door, the main entrance, where the line curves around the block, where 99% of people wait around hoping to get in. You know, that's where you're just waiting out in the cold, holding your resume, hoping the bouncer lets you in. That's Mm -hmm. the first door. And then there's the second door, the VIP entrance, where the billionaires and celebrities go through. And for some reason, school and society have this way of making us feel like those are the only two ways in. You're either born into it or you wait your turn like everybody else. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But what I've learned and what you know very well is that there's always, always the third door, and it's the entrance where you jump out of line, run down the alley, bang on the door a hundred times, crack open the window, go through the kitchen. There's always a way in. Yep. It doesn't matter if that's how Gates sold his first piece of software, or how Spielberg became the youngest director in Hollywood history. They all took the third door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no exceptions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I took the third door. You know, like that was ultimately that was ultimately it. Even though my family had resources, they didn't give me those resources, so yeah. I didn't leverage that. It was uh, intentional friendship with joe rogan without the idea that we were actually going to go into business but i was like man i fucking dig this dude yeah and like how and then and then just allowing the friendship to be the friendship and then allowing that moment of like hey man what would you like Mm. to have yourself the most what supplement would you like Mm. and like asking that question to him started on it really i mean i started and was failing it prior but like the actual start of on it was like that moment of like hey man we're friends fucking you're awesome like what would you like and i'll try and make you that thing and then we'll see if other people like that thing too right which is you know not it's so yeah it's this very kind of unique way that 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 went through but it was like you know intentionally seeing like oh man this guy has a lot of ideas that i truly appreciate and admire like Mm. i want to be friends with this dude how does that happen you know like how do i get into the into the joe rogan small nightclub of friends you know like well i have to have the value and the ability to be friends with joe you know like truly and fortunately i'd spent enough of my lifetime devoted to enough things to be that but that's what i always tell people about like forming connections it's like it's not like fishing where you get like a shiny lure and a shiny hook and you try and like cast it out and hope that they bite on the squid that they think is a squid but it's really plastic and it has hooks in it 100%. you know what i mean it's like 100%. be the fucking squid man yeah. <laughs> like like be the actual squid you know like be for real for reals and it'll work and it'll work when you're actually might not, the squid. Might not,
1: might not immediately <laughs> mm-hmm. but with time it'll work yeah what's crazy about the story you just said literally you know we keep talking about it, i like the idea of capital t truths if you zoom out with your story and i don't know if you've heard this dude buffett and spielberg had the same story Really, which is like mind blowing, but again, it's just the whole the whole point of the third door is that it's not like a you know step one, step two, step three. Everyone's gonna have a different thing. Yours was with Joe, you know, mm-hmm. with Spielberg. It was a man named Chuck Silver's. But if you zoom out, I don't know if you're a big music fan, but it's almost like there's a common melody. Yeah, that's unavoidable. You know, it's in the pocket. You yeah. can't miss
0: it. Yeah, and it, the thing too is like to you know and i apologize to people who've heard this story or whatever but um i don't tell it actually that often but it was like the universe was testing me because i mm-hmm. you know i found you know I, I had set up a business meeting with joe and it was just going to be a quick 30 minute business meeting about advertising on his podcast and there was no podcast advertisers back then this right. was like not the industry that it was right. then and this is 10 years ago right and so i had a company that, that you know i was going to meet with him about advertising his podcast and some of y'all know which company that is but <laughs> um <laughs> but uh so and and at the same Wait, you're time not,
1: you're not gonna say it
0: flashlight everybody all right <laughs> flashlight everybody um so at the same time though my best friend at the time Bodie Miller who was at like the you know the the apex of his career hadn't won the gold medals yet but still at like the peak of his you know fame yeah was setting up a party at the Kentucky Derby okay like so all weekend red carpet athlete mingling with the tom brady and the patriots getting on the red carpet like he was still single then so the thing was gonna be fucking crazy right and it was over the weekend where i had this little 30 minute meeting with a stranger at the time but somebody i admired joe it was like come on man you got to come to the derby i would never been to the derby and i'm a fucking 27 year old kid i couldn't even fucking afford to go to the derby not even fucking close let alone with my best friend on the red carpet and it was like the universe being like what do you want to do here bro Mm. you know you want to go party your balls off for four days or do you want to actually take this meeting you know that could just be a meeting that you could handle over email and nothing could happen and or do you want to take the meeting i was like i gotta fucking take the meeting sorry buddy like love that i gotta do it and like that was like the universe being like okay man (laughs) like that was the right choice and that's a really interesting kind of moment to reflect and i i talk about it like paying the blood price you Mm. know like paying the price of something that was dear to you yeah you know so that that opens the actual third door and Mm. and not in like a pagan like archaic way but like some kind of sacrifice something you give up It's almost essential.
1: The world can smell it, man. Yeah, yeah. I am not saying that from like a hippy-dippy way. Mm -hmm. I mean like literally – I'm sure you could even do science studies that you can tell like looking into someone's pupils if they're 100% in or if they're like one foot in, one foot out. Right. Like you can tell. I'm sure you can like meet a 19-year-old kid who's like, I love you. I love you. I want to work with you. And you're like – I don't know. You're you're right. half in, half out. Right. And then there's another kid who's like dropped out of school, has done all the research, and they might even be a little awkward. But you're still like, all right, I can smell
0: it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. And that's the third we can door. Se- yeah, yeah, we can sense. We can sense something, and it's this thing that you can. It's why the smartest, oldest fish know when it's a lure, know when it's a, a a squid, like an actual thing that they should eat, right? right? Like, especially the 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 more the more a person is sought after the more mm-hmm. shiny lures are cast in front of their eyes so the more discerning they get about the individual that they let behind and it doesn't mean that they're you're going to be 100 percent, because big fish still get caught yeah you know what i mean and like i still get fucked you know and i still make mistakes mm-hmm. and i still miss things that are obvious in hindsight right you know it's so but you learn and you learn and you learn and um and i think that's also that's also part of it recognizing that like You really be, and sometimes I miss, I'm sure I also miss these diamonds in the rough where I don't actually see through because my own- What makes you miss the diamonds? That's more interesting to me than the mistakes because
1: everyone makes the mistakes. Right. But missing the diamonds are the interesting ones.
0: Well, that's a hard thing to quantify because the diamonds have been missed. Right, and you have no idea- You have no idea which ones are those diamonds. So it would have to be a, a story about someone that I didn't see that in, and then they came back later, and I saw it in them later, you know? And I don't have too many of those that like- come to my mind but i think we have this lens right and um fuck i'll just go back to the i'll go back to the joe story right so um me and joe forged a great friendship you know where we really enjoyed each other and and have really enjoyed each other and we're super busy we don't get to see each other as much as we did back in those earlier days as everything is kind of blown up and we've both got so much stuff going on but a really you know deep and loving friendship and um so that was there the basis of that was there but we needed 30 minutes and to be seen in a lens where okay we're here to chat just me and you and you're not just one of my fans because i'd seen him at a couple different shows and i actually ran into him in a nightclub in vegas and was like hey joe like whatever right but at that point i was a fan right so the lens of fan was placed over me right so as he'll
1: approach you in a different way
0: he'll approach me in a different way and i i honestly probably do something a bit similar though i haven't had nearly the amount of fans that he had even then so i don't have as much of a lens of that so in that with that lens of like okay here's a fan you know Mm -hmm. it's harder to see through that lens to see like okay yeah maybe they're a fan but maybe they're also like could be like a really good friend of mine you know what i mean um so i think that's probably that's probably it because there's initial filters that go up you know so even people i meet who come up there's probably A little bit of like oh okay cool like yeah you listen to my podcast and whatever but maybe i don't identify like actually you know we should be like we could be like really good homies but sometimes Mm. that does fucking happen though right but it's just it's just weird it's weird like what what things you can kind of switch the lens because i've also met people and been like you (laughs) you know like you what's what are you doing what's what's your what's your life what's happening with your life like two people come to mind one is our uh director of food here which is Liv langdon i met her in miami at this conference and she just listened to like one episode of my podcast before i was like hey i listened to one of your podcast things And i talked to her and i was like "Whoa, you got like some there's some fucking magic there and i was like okay cool and that happened again with kyle kingsbury when i met him who's our director of human optimization and fortunately they had skills that applied directly yeah. to on it but the friendship was going to be formed anyways yeah like i just knew like oh the best feeling it happens a couple times times a year yeah a couple times if you're lucky if Mm -hmm. you're lucky yeah and and so and and, but there's probably lots of these other people who have met me like damn like i could be fucking obvious homie i know it you know but i've been like good to meet you fam (laughs) (laughs) you (laughs) know like like and then you're a human being man you need to protect your energy at times too sure sure and then there's other people who've been like you know who've been really just fans and wanting to get close and that's really their primary objective and they are more like a lure and they just want to get kind of close but they don't really have substance to offer and work ethic and friendship and genuine service they just want but they've presented themselves in a way i've been caught by those things too so that makes you more leery and more wary and the more times you've been caught the more wary of the hooks (laughs) that you become so yeah man it's a very fucking interesting it's a very interesting topic yeah you know and i think it's just about trusting you be the fruition of who you are, the truth of Mm. who you are. I know that sometimes you're not gonna get the chance, you know, like sometimes, but sometimes you will.
1: One of the biggest lessons I learned on that topic is that, and it's by far the biggest mistake I made on this seven-year journey, is that desperation clogs intuition. Oh, yeah. Desperation clogs intuition. Clogs everything.
0: Whenever you're in need, you're in fear. Yeah. Whenever you're in need, you're in fear.
1: Oh my! Need is a kind way to put it. Desperation is like need to the tenth power. Pa- yeah, so it's desperation like extreme need. Need plus fear. You know, <laughs> there's a stack. Yeah, I, I, I'll take need over desperation any day. <laughs> I, it was my, it was, it was part of my journey to get to Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was, so pretty much the, the context of all this, is that, you know, I was 18 years old a freshman in college, and I was spending every day lying on my dorm room bed, staring up at the ceiling. And I don't know if you've gone through like the what I want to do with my life crisis stage. Oh, this is like my whole
0: life, but yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. Okay, okay, cool. So you get it, you know, it's like all yeah.
1: consuming. And to understand why I'm going through it, you have to understand, you know, I explained that my parents are from Iran, but they're also Jewish.
2: Mm-hmm. So I
1: pretty much came out of the womb, my mom me in her arms, And then she stamped MD on my ass and sent me on my way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in third grade, I wore scrubs to school for Halloween. In high school, I went to pre-med summer camp. So like that was my childhood. Yep. And, you know, I checked all the boxes. I studied for the SATs. I, you know, got into college. And when I got to college, I remember really, you know, I'm the pre-med of pre-meds, but really quickly in the first couple months, there's this stack of biology books, feeling like they're sucking the life out of me. And at first I assumed I was just being lazy, but very quickly I began to wonder, maybe I'm not on my path.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, maybe I'm on a path somebody placed me on and I'm just rolling down. And when you're 18, that's like the most terrifying question. And and it's not really about an age in life. It's really a stage. When you really begin to question where you are and what you've been working toward. And, you know, my questions of what I want to do with my life began to evolve into, you know, how did all these people who I looked up to, how did they do it? How did Bill Gates sell his first piece of software out of his dorm room when nobody knew his name? How did Lady Gaga get her first record deal without a single hit under her belt? You know, this is what they don't teach you in school, so I just assumed there had to be a book with the answers. So I'm going to the library and ripping through, you know, business books and biographies and self-help books, assuming there had to be a book that focused on this stage in life. When no one's taking your meetings, no one's taking your calls, how do you find a way to break through? And... Eventually I was left empty-handed. And, you know, that's when my naive 18-year-old thinking kicked in. I thought, well, if no one's written a book I'm dreaming of reading, why not write it myself? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it'd be super simple. I'll just call Bill Gates, interview mm-hmm. him, interview everybody else, and I'll be done in a few months. That I assumed would be the easy part. Yep. The hard part I figured was getting the money to fund this journey. I was buried in student loan debt. I was all out of bar mitzvah cash.
0: So there had to be, you know there had to be Well you stretched it for five years. That's the oh, Yeah, bar mitzvah. and dude, I
1: was I was a nerd too. So like I used it for like a digital camera yeah, and yeah, like yeah. like some software computer games, like but my you know, my Mar Mitzvah cash let me go for a little bit, but I knew it would cost money to like travel and do this stuff. And that I thought would be my limiting factor, because I thought getting to Bill Gates would be the easy part. And this is where it gets a little weird. Two nights before final exams in my freshman year of college. You know, I'm doing what everyone's doing in the library right before finals. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on Facebook. And, <laughs> and, you know, I see someone offering free tickets to The prices, Right. And you watch The Price Right growing up, right? So, and I'm going to school in Los Angeles and the show's filming not too far from where I'm going to school. And my first thought was, what if I go on the show and win some money to fund this journey you know not my brightest moment plus
0: i had a problem i tell me that didn't work tell me that didn't
2: work Well, this is the thing dude (laughs) i had a giant problem
1: i had never seen a i had never seen a full episode of the show
0: hail mary like a motherfucker (laughs) hail mary is
1: a compliment (laughs) you know to what this idea was and Uh, i never seen a full episode before plus you know look i've seen bits and pieces everyone when they're fourth grade homesick from school the only thing on tv was the prices right at the time i didn't have cable as a kid and I, you know, I told myself it was a dumb idea. Plus I had finals in two days. Um, but I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where no matter how ridiculous the idea is, it just keeps clawing itself back into your mind. Mm-hmm. And almost the more you push away, the stronger it keeps clawing back. So to prove to myself it was a bad idea, I remember sitting, it was actually a table sort of like this. I'm in the library at this wooden table and I open my spiral notebook to write best and worst case scenarios. You know, to prove to myself it's a ridiculous idea. Yep. And I remember writing, you know, worst case scenario, you know, fail finals, get kicked out of pre-med, lose financial aid, mom stops talking to me, look fat on TV. You know, there's like 20, <laughs> there's like 20 cons. The only pro was maybe, maybe when enough money to fund this dream. And I remember really vividly, it was like. Somebody had tied a rope around my gut and was slowly pulling in a direction. So that night I decided to do the logical thing and pull an all-nighter to study. But I didn't study for finals. I said had to hack the prices right. <laughs> and I went on the show the next day and did this ridiculous strategy and I ended up winning the whole showcase no showdown.
0: fucking way. Winning
1: a sailboat, no selling the way. sailboat. And no that's how I funded way. this book.
0: Shut the fuck up. <laughs> i should have done some more research so i knew what was coming but here i am like the audience okay. just fucking mouth of gas like no fucking way okay 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 so isn't there some rant now how is how are the people selected from the prices right i thought it was like a random thing All right, how deep do you want to go into this? I want to go fucking deep, because I want to understand if there was some intuition which would kind of lend some idea that the universe was actually telling you, like, look, motherfucker, you're going to win the random lottery that's going to take you from the audience to the thing. Or is it like a selection process from a casting person that you could actually hack and like use some of your skills? Or was it like random? So at the
1: time that I came up with that decision, I had no idea how the show worked. But I decided, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to really fucking do this. I don't believe. Sort of like my life philosophy is that I'd rather do one thing well than two things half-assed. Yes. So that's my life philosophy. So I was like, all right, I'm either going to half-ass studying for finals and half-ass studying for The Prices Right, or I'm going to do one really well. I actually remember I still have the journal entry from that night where I wrote that pretty stupid thing to do two nights before final exams when uh, you're on financially. Clearly aid. not. But,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> clearly not. But continue. In hindsight, right? yeah.
1: In hindsight, is a good decision. But all right, I'll give you the full rundown. Yeah. So pretty much that night, I decided all right i'm gonna I'm gonna really do this, and I end up pulling an all nighter googling how to get on the prices right because I had realized you know there's three hundred people in the audience, yes, eight get called down, and out of the eight who get called down, one wins. so statistically, the hard part isn't being one out of eight, it's being eight out of three hundred. yes. so I was like, how totally. do I if I can hack that part, yep the that's, rest. then you can actually I'll wing it from there, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. Right. So I was like, all right, let me tackle the 80% of the problem. So I was like just Googling how to get on, how to get on, how to get on. And at about 4 a.m., which is when all good things happen.
0: I had you know, questionable go, advice also. But continue,
2: Alex. Do not quote me on that. 4 a.m., when all good things happen.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, so I'd, you know, 4 a.m., I'm on the 27th O of Google. Again, uh-huh. where all the good shit is, too. You're on the 27th oh. and I see, it was like an old, it was before there were even blogs. Remember those, like, message boards? Sure. It was like a message board, and someone was explaining that there's a producer uh-huh. who interviews every single person in the audience, okay? So now I'm doing all this research on the producer, and then on top of that, you know, now at 5 a.m., I'm going deeper and deeper, and I find out There's an undercover producer, too, who's planted in the audience who confirms or denies the original producer's selection. So the next morning, you know, I wake up. I, you know, anybody who's seen the show for 30 seconds knows people are colorfully dressed. So I'm, you know, putting on a bright red shirt and a big puffy jacket, neon yellow sunglasses. I look like a chubby toucan. It's perfect. (laughs) And I get to the-
0: (laughs) Follow your nose. (laughs) Right.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So I get to the CBS studios where the show's filmed. And the second I get there, you know, I don't know who the undercover producer is. So I just assume everyone is. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm dancing with old ladies, I'm flirting with custodians, I'm breakdancing, and I don't know how to break dance.
2: <laughs> and and yes. I,
1: so I get there, and after about an hour, you know, you're waiting in line. And eventually, you know, I see my guy Stan the head and casting producer. And I at this point know. Everything about Stan. I know where he grew up. I knew where he went to school. I pretty much knew what he ate for breakfast that morning, mm-hmm. and I knew he had a clipboard, but it's never in his hands. His assistant, who sits about twenty feet away from him, is holding it. And if Stan likes you, he'll ask you more questions. And if he really likes you, he'll turn around and wink, and she'll put your name on the clipboard. So if The Price Is Right is a nightclub, Stan's the bouncer. If you're not yeah. on his list, you're out. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, right away, he's right in front of me. And he's like, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? And I'm like, hey, I'm Alex. I'm 18 years old. I'm a freshman in college. I, uh, I'm i studying pre-med. And he's like, oh, pre-med. You must spend a lot of time studying. How do you have time to watch The Price is Right? And I'm like, oh, is that where I am? You know, the joke just dies. Yeah, you know, yeah. no <laughs> laughter, no laughter. And I can see his eyes are wandering. So I had read in you know, one of these, I knew I needed to do something to save myself. And I had read in one of these books during my life crisis, I think it was like a Tony Robbins book. It said, human contact speeds up a relationship. So I had an idea. I had to touch Stan, Uh but he's like, you know, 20 (laughs) feet away from me. So I'm like, Stan, come over here. I want to make a handshake with you. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. And I'm like, come on. So you know, very reluctantly comes over and I teach him how to pound it and blow it up. And, yeah. you know, he's laughing a little and, you know, he's like, all right, good luck, kid. And he walks away. Doesn't turn around to his assistant. She doesn't write anything on the clipboard. And just like that, it's over. And I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where you can almost see your entire dream walking away from you. Mm-hmm. Almost like sand, you know, slipping through your fingers. And the worst part is, you know, you didn't you didn't even have a chance to really prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what got into me, but I felt this rumbling in the pit of my stomach. And I started yelling at the top of my lungs, Stan! <laughs> you know, the whole audience shoots their head around thinking like I'm having a seizure. And he runs over and he's like, Are you okay? Are you okay? What's going on? And I have no idea what I'm gonna say. But, you know, he's just standing at me. You know, I'm back in action. You have to understand, too, Stan is typical Hollywood. You know, turtleneck, red scarf, even though it's like 70 degrees outside. (laughs) And I'm just looking at him, and I'm like, your scarf! Now I really don't know what I'm going to say next. But, you know, he's just looking at me. I'm sweating, and all I can do is I look at him with all the seriousness I can, and I'm like, Stan, I'm an avid scarf collector. I have 362 pairs in my dorm room, and I'm missing that one. Where did you get it? And he starts cracking up (laughs) because I think he finally figured out what I was trying to do, and he, like, gave me a scarf. He's like, look, you need this more than I do. He turned around, winked, and his assistant made a mark on the clipboard.
0: Wow.
1: So at that point... I'm you know, feeling pretty good. Uh-huh. I'm walking around. I'm still outside the got studio. Got Stan's scarf on. I got Stan scarf, you know? That's huge.
0: <laughs> That's huge.
1: <laughs> right, I'm the anointed one. You know? <laughs> and I see this young woman, you know, late 20s, long brown hair, walking throughout the audience, looking at everyone's name badges. And I look closer and I see a laminated badge sticking out of her back pocket. And I figure she has to be the undercover producer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had, like just gone through puberty at that point. You know, I'm blowing her kisses and she's laughing and I'm dancing and she's laughing a bit more. She takes a sheet of paper out of her pocket, looks at my name badge and makes a mark. So at that point, you would think I'm on top of the world but it was right in that moment that I actually realized I had spent the entire all-nighter figuring out how to get on the show. You know, I still didn't know how to play.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> but you know, no, no big deal. I literally just like Took on my phone and I Googled how to play prices right. You know, it's not mm-hmm. rocket science. Thirty seconds later, I feel a tap on my shoulder. Security takes my phone away. And now, you know, I have no plan B. And I remember sitting on this metal bench outside the studio, just sulking. And I was sitting next to this old lady, white hair, and she can sense something was the matter. And, you know, she asked me what's going on. And I just, I just started venting. I told her about finals. I told her about my dream to write this book. I told her I've never seen a full episode of the show before. And she just pinches my cheek and she's like, honey, you remind me of my grandson. I ask her for some advice and she's like, honey, I've been watching the show for 40 years. And she ends up giving me decades of wisdom in a matter of minutes And this light bulb goes off. You know, I give her a big hug. I say thank you. And I turn to the person next to me. And I'm like, hey, I'm Alex. I'm 18. I've never seen the show before. Do you have any advice? Then I turn to the person next to me. Hey, I'm Alex. I'm 18. I've never seen the show before. Do you have any advice? And I go from person to person, group to group. And over the course of an hour, I crowdsource the wisdom of about half the audience. Mm -hmm. And right around then, the doors to the studio open. And I step in there. And the place smells like the 1970s. You know, know, there's yellow and green drapes, flashing lights. All that's missing is a disco ball. And I get in there, and I'm not super, super religious, but if there's ever a time to like pray, you know, it's right then. And I, you know, this is my dream is on the line. And I remember actually closing my eyes and starting to say a prayer. And I heard this loud, rumbling noise from up above, you know, long, elongated syllables. You know, my body's shaking from how loud it was. But it wasn't God. You know, it was TV God. Live from CBS Studio in Hollywood, it's The Price is Right. And, you know, the famous voice starts yeah. announcing the first contestant, it's not me, and the second, and the third is on me, but for the fourth, you know, I really feel it coming. And I actually inched out of my chair, and it still wasn't me. And I ended up sitting back in the chair thinking, you know, maybe it just wasn't meant to be and, you know, if you know how the show works, someone wins the opening round, moves yeah. on. And now and there's... they call somebody else up. Exactly. So that's when I hear, Alex Benayan, come on down. And I lose my shit. <laughs> Aubrey, I don't care how cool you think you are. It is impossible to stay cool in this moment.
2: You will look like a dweeb yeah, sure. running down the for aisle, sure. hugging
1: strangers. I get to my podium, not a second to thing, And that's when they're like, a leather chair and ottoman dude, I'm 18. I don't know what ottoman means. I'm like, I'm like, $200. And, you know, everybody laughs at me. And then, you know, now it's time for the next round. And it's a billiards table. My cousins have a billiards table. You know, how expensive could it be? So I'm like, $600. And again, everyone laughs at me. But because the audience laughs so loud... Everyone bid higher and higher and higher. Right. So they all overbid, which means I win by default. Yeah, you know, so- so I'm jumping on this stage. I'm <laughs> cheering. I'm like waving to my mom on the camera. And it's time for my bonus round now. And by the way, like the host is like, congratulations. And I'm like, what did I win? He's like, you won the billiards table. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like learning as the show goes on. Yeah. And now it's time for the bonus round. And, you know, the big doors open up.
0: Did you have to spin the wheel you have to spin the wheel yet? No, that comes up later. That's later. <laughs> okay, That's I later.
1: I didn't know any of this though. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much of a price is right guy you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: This is great.
1: So, you know, the doors open, and it's this glistening white hot tub. You know, 12 jets, <laughs> LED lights, waterfall. And Aubrey, look at me. Uh, you have to understand, I'm 18, and the only thought I have is: <laughs> if I win this hot tub. I'm the king of college. <laughs> you know? So all the pressure's on and I yeah. end up guessing like $4,000. It was $9,000. So I lose the hot tub and I think I'm off the show and they're like, we'll be right back with the wheel. Don't go away. And I'm yeah. like, excuse me, what's the wheel? <laughs> oh, <geez>. And literally <laughs> a producer comes up to explain it to me and do you remember what it was?
0: The wheel? Yeah. Yeah, you try to get as close to a dollar as you can.
1: Right, exactly. So they card it out and it looks like a big slot machine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, lights and glitter and
0: you got to really crank on that thing yeah (laughs) yeah but i wasn't
1: fucking doing on at workouts then man i'm 18 so i get there and you know commercial breaks over and it's three contestants time for the wheel and the first woman goes up you know young woman curly hair peppy energy gives it a spin 80 and the crowd goes ballistic and even i know that's an unbelievable spin yeah you know closest to 100 wins and if very rarely if you land exactly on 100 you get a bonus cash prize but that rarely happens so she goes to the winner's circle now it's my turn and at this point i'm thinking you know i might as well have some fun with it so i give it a grip and it's a lot heavier than it looks and you spin it and it's like 85 and the crowd goes insane because they know i have no idea what's going on yeah so they're freaking (laughs) out and, you know, I moved to the winner's circle. I'm jumping up and down. And now it's time for the third and final contestant. And older woman, really sweet energy. Everyone's rooting for her. She gives it a spin. Tick, 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 tick. She goes over. I win. And I start freaking out because I think I just won the whole show. And they're like, we'll be right back with the second show half. showdown. <laughs> exactly. Don't go away. <laughs> and I'm like, What? <laughs> And I pretty much get moved to the side of the stage, and I watch the second half of the show go by to find out who's going up against me in the final round. And I finally find out. Her name is Tanisha, and she blasted through the second half of The Price is Right with the ferociousness of someone who spent her whole life walking through Costco studying price (laughs) tags. Dude, she won the opening round. She won the bonus round. And on the wheel, she spun a perfect 100 Going up against Tanisha is like David, going up against Goliath. And, you know, (laughs) David didn't bring a slingshot. So it's now the commercial break before the final round. And I'm on the stage and Tanisha walks up toward me. You know, I believe in karma to a degree. And, you know, I reached out my hand and I was like, hey, good luck. And she looks me up and down and she's like, Yeah, you need it. And the whole audience is like, oh, shit. Literally, 300 people did that. (laughs) And it's like a rap battle on the stage of the Price is Right. It's like eight mile all of a sudden. They're like, oh, shit. (laughs) And I'm like, fuck, she's right. I do need it. (laughs) So I realized in that moment that all the people had given me advice before the show began. No one gave me advice on the final round because no one thought I'd make it this far. So I don't even know how this works and I have like, you know, 60 seconds for commercial break and I see the host of the show, you know, Bob Barker just retired and is now Drew Carey. And I throw my arms up in the air and I'm like, Drew, I loved you on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. <laughs> and I give him a hug and he like awkwardly like pushes me away. Yeah. And, you know, talk about the fan lens that we talked sure. about. He pushes me away and I'm like, hey, Drew. Any advice on the showroom showdown? And he goes, first of all, it's the Showcase Showdown. (laughs) You know, I don't even know what it's called. And he ends up giving me, you know, some great advice. And before I know it, it's time for the final round. And you have to understand, you know, I'm standing behind this podium. You know, seven machine gun-sized cameras pointed at my face. Eight blinding white lights shining in my eyes. I'm sweating. Tanisha's dancing. And, you know, now it's time (laughs) for the final round. And... I mean, you know, you know how it works, right? Yeah. They, they give you the package and, I, you know, I'm up first. Alex, you're in for action and adventure on a trip to Six Flags Magic Mountain theme park. Blah, 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 blah. They say all these details. Dude, I've never seen a full episode before. I don't know to pay attention to the details. Plus, the audience is cheering. I have, like, borderline ADD, you know. <laughs> so, I'm not really listening. All I hear is Six Flags theme park. I grew up in L.A., I know how much a fucking theme park ticket costs. 50 bucks with a can of Coke. I've seen the commercials growing up. (laughs) What I didn't hear in the blah, blah, blah details is that it was front of the line passes, VIP, all you can eat food with a butler in a limo for six people. But I'm thinking 50 bucks, easy, next. (laughs) (laughs) Your next prize is a trip to Florida, blah, 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 blah. I'm 18. I've never booked a plane ticket in my life. I'm thinking, how much is a plane ticket? 200 bucks? Again, what I didn't hear is that it was round trip, first class, five star hotel rental car for two people. But I'm thinking 200 bucks, easy, next. (laughs) (laughs) While you're in Florida, a trip into zero gravity, blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking this must be a theme park themed package. So this must be the Vomit Comet, another $50. What I didn't know is this is actually Peter Diamandis' company Zero G, which is how NASA trains their astronauts.
0: So, is it like a plane that dives down and yeah. it gives you that four minutes of zero G?
1: Exactly. Where they
0: film all the space movies and shit. Exactly. Yeah.
1: 100%. Per- Dude, you should have been on like my speed dial while I was on this. <laughs> Who knew? Aubrey is the prices right expert of Austin, Texas. <laughs> Phone a
0: friend, right, motherfuckers. Exactly. Phone a friend. I don't know shit about it, what everything's cost, but I can know how to play fucking Plinko. Exactly. I can my ass off. But.
1: That's going to be your new teacher. I can <laughs> Plinko my ass off. Right after Alex Benigni, it's 4 a.m. is when the magic happens. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, this is another 50 bucks. I would find out later that every 15 minutes in Zero Gravity is $5,000. But I'm thinking, all right, 50 bucks next. <laughs> Your grand prize. <laughs> and, you know, the big doors open up. Yeah. A new sailboat. And I'm freaking out. But, you know, eventually I calm down and I look at the boat. And it's on the other side of the stage. And I don't hear the details. And from where I'm standing, it sort of looks like a dinghy. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, how much can a dinghy cost? You know, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000. And I'm just thinking, you know. And, you know, if there's ever a time in your life to, like, (laughs) be still and listen to your inner voice, it's, like, right then. And, you know, the audience is cheering. They're, like, Alex, what's the final price of all the packages, of all the prizes? And I'm just, like, you know, Oprah always talks about listen to the voice. So I'm, like, trying to listen to the voice. You know, I've never even heard the word meditation at that point in my life. So I'm just, like, trying to listen to the voice. And finally, I hear it. And this one number just sounds right. And it just feels you know, like, Destiny, and I end up grabbing the mic, and I'm like, Drew, (laughs) $6,000. Dead silence. It's as if somebody has passed away (laughs) on the stage of The Price is Right. (sighs) And I'm very confused, because the audience had been cheering for me all day. And I'm looking at the audience like, not even a (laughs) smile? Like, what's happening here? And it feels like minutes are going by, and I realize Drew Carey, Hasn't locked in my answer. So I turn around to look at Drew Carey. And he's just looking at me like. Like what the fuck are you doing? And I finally get the hint. And I grab the mic. And I'm like. "Uh, Just kidding and everybody starts cheering <laughs> and he's like oh college kids these days what's your real answer and i'm thinking Shit, that was my real answer <laughs> so i don't know what to do and i don't know what gets into me but again i just start pounding on the podium the sensation takes over and i'm like audience i need your help and like a miracle they start chanting one number but it's a mob and i can't hear them i you know they're all chanting but i can't hear them and the producers are trying to cut me off they're like we need an answer we need an answer and I can hear the TH sound of the audience, 33, And I'm like, all right, Drew, I'm going with the audience. 300 dollars He literally grabs the mic and goes, you know, there's a difference between 300 30, and 30000 right? And I'm like, of course I knew that. Uh, 30000 He goes, great. We're locking in at 30000 Moving on. Tanisha looks at me like she's going up against someone in preschool. Right. And, you know, now it's Tanisha's turn. She gets... A car and an ATV and a vacation to Arizona and you know she guesses like thirty five thousand dollars. You know she's just dancing her way through it and now it's time to reveal the winner. Tanisha, you guessed thirty five thousand dollars retail price, thirty six thousand four hundred. Tanisha jumps up in the air. She's she thanking God. Nailed it. She nailed it. You know, best guess in prices are history. You know, yeah. she just crushed fucking it. Fucking nailed it. And I'm just thinking in my, you know, the audience is cheering for her. And I'm just thinking in my head, all right, if I go straight to the library, I have three hours for bio, two hours for chemistry. Mom doesn't even know I'm here. You know, I'm just doing <laughs> crisis management for finals. I've already moved on. Yeah. And they're like, Alex, you guessed $30,000 retail price, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm not listening. And the audience starts going crazier than they have all day. And you know, the producers are pointing at me and I notice my podium's flashing. So I literally turn around to check the podium. I had guessed $30,000. Retail price, $31,200. I beat Tanisha by $200. And literally my face goes from like this to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm jumping up and down i'm dancing on the sailboat i get the sailboat sell the sailboat and that's how i funded the buck
0: holy shit man that is a fucking story <laughs> all right so there's a couple moments i want to dive into i want to dive into what was that what do you attribute that fucking thing mm. that you were sitting there and that thing that you said pulled at your guts and told you price is right like what the fuck is that mm. thing Because I think one of the the beautiful and obviously beautiful lessons that you can take from this are like, okay, you get that, you get that call, you get that feeling, you get that gut intuition thing, and then you... Do the work, right? And there's multiple ways that you did the work, and how you researched, and how you kind of understood the game, and how you prepared for at least the front part of it, and yeah. then how you adapted to learning when your main tool of learning was removed, and like tons of lessons a day. <laughs> but the fucking thing is, like, the mysterious. You're like thing, an
1: anthropologist,
0: man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you just dissected the whole story in like ten <laughs> seconds. But the fucking thing, though, yeah. is like, what is that fucking thing that told you Price is Right at that fucking time? Like, what? what how do you explain that shit? You know, now that I'm a bit
1: older, um, you know, it's been s- it's been a 7-year journey. So from the day of the price is right to today, it's been seven almost 8 years now. And now I'm a little bit more in tune with my body. You know, mm-hmm. the body talks, you yeah. know. There's a great line from a song I love. It says the body talks and meditation helps. Mm-hmm. And
0: that's a Nako Bear song. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I l- I listen I love Nako i've never met him but i listen to that yeah. well, every I was single coming day to do
0: a podcast with Nako here when i got in my car accident
1: oh my god and
0: he ended up coming the next day because he was still in town and like played a concert for me on my piano at my house as my face was all fucking mangled oh, my my beautiful nako's an amazing dude but yeah i fucking love that song wow dude that is wild <laughs> that's wild yeah. and for, for all people to be here for you at that time too. totally man it's like my one of my favorite no not one my favorite conscious musician yeah you know to be here and to like be in my living room giving me a hug playing my piano playing his fucking guitar like singing all the songs, healing energy all the healing energy of yeah. my best friends and Nako. the day after i almost fucking killed myself passing out in the middle of the day behind the wheel like uh, it was a crazy thing but yeah i, I fucking know that song
1: That's wild. (laughs) And so I I guess going to the question of, you know, what happened in that moment, my theory is that a lot of people actually, and, you know, I think all human beings have that whisper. Mm -hmm. I feel all human beings have that whisper. The big thing that I've come to realize in my life is that. I'm not, dude, I'm not evil fucking Knievel, you know? I'm the scaredy, I'm the, you know, if you ask my sisters, I'm the most scared kid you'll ever meet growing up. I had a nightlight till I was 12. I never went on roller coasters. So fear, I grew up with fear. You know, my parents are immigrants, fled here as refugees. Fear was a big part of my existence growing up. So yeah, I was just completely paralyzed by fear by most of my childhood. What I think made that moment at the beginning of the Price is Right possible. Because as much as everything else that happened that day was great, none of it would have happened without that first decision. And I think all, you know, talk about your story with Joe. If you didn't go to that meeting and Mm -hmm. you parted your face off, none of this, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like a fault line in the earth. Mm -hmm. Your entire world changed but you had no idea at the time. And what I've learned, what I've learned is that In that moment where I made that pro and cons list, and there were 20 good reasons not to do it, 20 cons, 20 logical reasons not to do it, it's the moments in life when you have 20 logical reasons not to do something and no good reason to do it, but still there's something in you urging to do it. You have to listen to that whisper. Yep. And I again I don't mean that from a spiritual perspective. I don't I mean that literally from if you just care about your life and your career, there's a reason in your subconscious why your body is begging you to do something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you just have, especially when there's 20 good reasons not to do it. Yeah, And I think the moments that change our life, the moments when you're 80 years old and you look back on your life as defining moments in your life or when there's 20 good reasons not to do it and you still decide to take one thoughtful step forward anyway. And the biggest thing that I've learned on the journey of this book, you know, not just from you know my journey of chasing down all these people and getting the interviews, but just also from studying all of them, it's the relationship with fear that's the biggest thing that's changed their life, when they changed their relationship with fear. And my whole thing was, I was completely terrified on the journey of writing this book. So one of the questions I had to all these people I interviewed was, how did, how did you become so fearless? You know, you look at Elon Musk and Bill Gates, and you assume they had to be fearless to do what they did. But what shocked me is not only were they not fearless, they were terrified the whole way through. Yep. And that didn't make any sense to me. And what I learned is that they didn't achieve fearlessness. Instead, it was courage, and while the words sound similar, the difference is critical and to any- courage,
0: action, not retraction in the face of fear. Mm, say that I've one more time? Courage, how I define yeah, courage yeah. is action, not retraction in the face of fear. Mm. That's it, man. That's it. That's fucking it. My right. thing,
1: you know, my thing that I've come to, ter- you know, it's the same thing and I've realized, you know, fearlessness, because I think in metaphors, you know, fearlessness is jumping off a cliff and not thinking about it. That's idiotic. I want nothing to do with you if you call yourself fearless, Mm because that's, you know, you're not thinking about it. Courage, on the other hand, is acknowledging your fear, analyzing the consequences, and then deciding you care so much about it, you're still going to take one thoughtful step forward anyway. Mm -hmm. That's courage.
0: Fuck yeah, man. And that's, and I think going back to that idea of paying the blood price, like part of the blood price is stepping into your fear. Like part of that is like, okay, I'm willing to bear the load and the weight of my fear of, okay, I get kicked out. Okay, you know, I fail the finals. Okay, my mom doesn't talk to me. Okay. Like the cost that you paid was actually a cost paid in fear. The blood Mm. was the pain of the fear that you would have to endure to actually take a oh step God. forward, Dude, right? it's not just
1: fear, it's betrayal of
0: the family you love. <laughs> yeah, Dude, my course.
1: family, and I don't say this jokingly, my family came to America and sacrificed everything so I can have an education. Again, I do not say that lightly. My mom worked two jobs, two mortgages on the house. You know, I remember being, I remember vividly being, I think, six years old and one night having a nightmare. And, you know, when you're a little kid, you have a nightmare, you like get out of bed and go to your like your parents' room. If you're lucky, you know, if you have two parents who love you, you know, that's where you feel safe. And I remember in the middle of the night walking through the hallway and seeing this blue light coming from under my mom's door at like middle of the night. And I creaked it open and I saw her working at her computer at like, you know, 3 a.m. And the next night I woke up into the same thing and she was there and there and there. And only later in my life would I realize that my dad's used car lot, he worked in used car sales, went bankrupt so it was up to my mom to support our whole family and only much later in my life did i understand the amount of sacrifice and still to this day i probably don't even know the full extent of the mm-hmm. sacrifices my mom and my family made so turning my back on school you know i ended up dropping out of school to make this book a reality it's not just fear there's also a act of betrayal sure. emotionally You know, my grandma sobbing, begging me not to do this. The woman who pretty much raised me. And what I've had to come to terms with after a lot of resistance is that fear is a natural part of the human experience. And you can fight it, and fear is going to win every time. But if you can acknowledge it, and almost, I like to think of it as like a mental living room. If you can, you know, pull up a chair for it, Offer it some tea, let it take a seat. Mm -hmm. The fear begins to relax. Doesn't disappear, but begins to relax. And only then can you take a step forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's you you really have to accept you, you almost you have to accept it with almost lovingly accept it. You know, like, and give like, it—you
1: know—give it a blanket. You <laughs> yeah, know? totally. Tell it, tell it, you're allowed. to Because if be you resist
0: it, it just magnifies. It's going to win. It. That's what it's you resist. persist. Win. Like you'll magnify oh, that's it a million, so good. A, mil- yeah. a million ways. It'll become from this little tiny demon to the fucking world eater itself. You Dude, know, like- I know
1: so many good people, smart people, doctors, brilliant people, whose lives are completely fucked because they're imprisoned by their fear, shame, and guilt. Yeah, sure. Their whole life is completely. You know, they're trapped in a prison of their own creation, you know, and you're not going to, the more you resist your fear and your shame and your guilt, the stronger it fortifies. Yeah. Only with self-compassion, there's a word in Buddhism called matri, which is called loving, which, you know, is defined as loving kindness with oneself. Mm Matri is the only solution in my book. Yeah. Yeah. If you have other ones, man, if you yeah, have no, an I mean, I'll take and, it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, totally, man. That, and, and just understanding that you're here learning and fear is a tool. Fear is your friend because fear teacher, is the th- – yeah. it's a teacher. It's the thing that is going to help guide you towards where you need to go, where you can grow. It's like the resistance. It's like the weight that's being put on the bar that allows you to lift the weight, mm. that allows you to get stronger. Like it is that force – by which you can define yourself and build your courage and move forward against, but it can also become, you know, you can be trapped by it, you can be sickened by it, you can be, and that's in a version of it, which is a form of retraction, right? Yeah. Which is like, oh no, I'm not gonna look at it, I'm not scared of that, fuck no, I'm not scared of that. But you're actually not looking at it and you're really super terrified of it, right? That's That doesn't fucking work.
1: When you're lying to yourself, the person who hurt gets hurt the most is yourself. Yeah. And people who aren't honest with themselves, And, dude, I can say this because that was me for most of my life, you know, not being honest with myself about what I was scared about, not being honest with myself about my motivations. Dude, so much of my motivations, you know, not completely, but a lot of it came from insecurities came from you know wanting to prove myself
0: yeah and the validations from- which would cure your insecurities right you know it's like the, the you're oh okay I'm insecure about this well let me prove it externally rather than work on my actual insecurities right. let me try to have the world prove it to me but the world can never prove but can i just say
1: from- i've never met a single person who's solved it without first trying the wrong way first
2: <laughs> yeah, of course. i'm just going to say of i've course. met I've,
1: fucking course. I've met and interviewed thousands of people i've never met one person who was just born into being like I will solve my insecurities for you. (laughs) No, no, you get the car, you try to get the, you know, the girl or the guy, and you try to get the money. And then, or at least in Western culture, and then you realize, you know, my friend says um, that he chased all the things he thought would satisfy him. And only when he realized he was no happier did he begin his real journey.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I agree 100%. Yeah. That seems to be the way that we learn. We have to learn from the, Evaporation of the delusion of that thing that mm. we're that we're chasing, but after. it won't evaporate until you st- until you'll go you get down. it, unless you're a fucking savant of some sort or have somebody a mentor who you trust so much that but you can no use theirs. But no, no one is. No one is. We're yeah. human
1: beings, man. Yeah, we're man. all gonna make mistakes. And one of my favorite quotes is: "Sometimes going down the wrong path is what you need to find the right one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes going down the wrong path is what you need to find the right one."
0: One thing I noticed with my fear is like my fear will. It likes to exist itself. It's almost like an entity that wants to Mm. continue to survive and thrive. And I'm used to tilting my, like lowering my visor and like, oh, okay, I see you fear. And then tilting my lance towards fear. And I'm oriented that way, leaning forward like I see you fear. Now that you're unmasked, don your horse, motherfucker. Let's go. And then like tilting the lance and moving towards it and whatever. You still do that? Which of course, every in every single aspect of my life, when I identify fear, you know, that's not actual danger. I'm not putting my hand in a fucking jar of scorpions or some shit, you know. But like I wouldn't put that past you either. (laughs) (laughs) But I will pick up a cockroach because it's not actually dangerous. And I'm scared of those motherfuckers, you know. So I and I have done that because I know I'm scared of that. It's, it's collapsing the actual danger from like the actual fear itself right. but like tilting towards fear but what happens is is you start collapsing fears big fear pockets i remember i was recently in patagonia and i was going over this massive relationship fear that you know my my girl was going to leave me and she liked this other guy better and blah 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 and all of this stuff and i finally got to a deep sense of peace mm. and i was like ah, i've been tilting against this fear and moving towards this and going through it and surrendering and accepting and i'm using the metaphor of a fucking like Ivanhoe like a knight like tilting and but it's really actually yeah. more surrendering and accepting is really actually what's happening that is the tilting that is the spurring the horse it's accepting and surrendering and like moving towards and like building the, mm. the internal nourishment but the, you know the metaphor still still applies but then what, I, what happened was I, I get through this and I burst through and I'm like ah oh, yes I've <laughs> dispelled this fear and then immediately I hear this voice in my head goes yeah that's cool bro but you're gonna fucking die of cancer soon anyways and I go what the fuck was that what the fuck did that for what are you no 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 like you don't get to now make me worry about my health just because i like just conquered this major fear but it was like fear was like okay yeah cool yeah you just dispelled that one well here's another big one for you to go right away i was like no like no no no
1: (laughs) you're like they're in a temper tantrum
0: for sure Stop. (laughs) yeah for sure i was like sitting in the hills i'm like no mind that's not fucking cool because i've been working on this fear for seven days, I get three minutes of grace as I've kind of surrendered to this and accepted this and acknowledged it and like made peace with it. And you're going to tilt over to another hanging fear. For, forget about that, man. That's a
1: deeper fear. The cancer one. Yeah. But do you know what's funny? They're actually all related. They're all related.
0: and that. So I was actually able to work through that way fucking faster. But nonetheless, the tracking of it yeah. and the tracking of like how fear will change masks. I was like- Oh, you're a devious motherfucker cuz you won't even give me 3 minutes, you know, cuz you still want me you still want me with my fucking helmet on right. like dealing with some right. shit. So you'll just say, "Okay, good. You've solved your issues with love and insecurity and not feeling worthy enough and having somebody you love and you want to be with leave you." Okay, cool. Yeah, but you're going to die. And I'm like, "Oh, right. oh, okay. <laughs> I see I, this game I have now. the same
1: voices, man. I have the same voices. and Again, I don't want to say I know what it's like to be you. I know what it's like to be me to a degree. <laughs> mhm what i've learned for myself and tell me if this feels right or not i look when i'm in relationships dude i have the same fears forget forget about even romantic relationships even with family they're going right. to leave me they're going to turn their back on me they're never going to talk my friends you know a friend doesn't answer my phone call for a couple of weeks and i'm like i'm going to die
0: alone you know but i'm not dude, kidding dude when i would fuck up a handshake with a friend no, that no, I, no, I like. Yeah. When I was like, when they would go for like the fucking dab and I would go for the hands t- and it got awkward. I was like, that's it. I mean, <laughs> I'm fucking out. Like, ain't, they're not gonna be my friend anymore. I'm a fucking nerd. i like right. fucking, they're not gonna respect, you know, like little things like that I would obsess over, you yeah. know, back in my older days. Cause like, you're a
1: human being, man. Yeah.
0: And pretty much what
1: I've learned, and I learned this all from Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, my fa- one of my favorite Buddhist authors. And he talks about how there's a thing called, And I don't even know if I even fully agree with this. I just like it as a thought experiment. He talks about a thing called original fear. And his theory is that, you know, when you're in the womb, when you're in your mother's womb, it's like the palace. You know, everything's perfect. It's warm. You have this cord that gives you everything you want. Like, life is perfect in the womb. Yeah. And then you come out, there's these bright fluorescent lights. You know, people are yelling, they're hitting you, they're slapping you. You have to breathe through your lungs. You're like, what the fuck is happening? And that's the first moment you're ever afraid you're gonna die.
0: Mm. Well, Stan Groff would say something different. Yeah, tell me. Groff. he basically he calls them four basic perinatal matrices. Okay. So what he calls BPM, he shortens it to BPM, basic perinatal matrices. BPM one is that you know euphoric everything is taken care of i'm floating in outer space which is my mother's womb and the heart beats next to me and the food just comes and i'm just kind of cruising around with mom yeah. and everything's good but actually the first fear comes when the water breaks
2: oh when the water breaks
0: your world all of a sudden collapses around you and you're like what the fuck happened well, so to my world you're in a world? fight or flight in what the... the fuck happened to my world i about that right wow. like my okay. world just yeah. collapsed yeah and then you're then you're like i'm going to die that but then then obviously you don't have the cerebral but that's the feeling like my world just collapsed i'm gonna die right mm-hmm. and you can get stuck in that and in, in, in that framework and we all be stuck in that mental framework of like my world's collapsing i'm gonna die and you can give up and then there's the other choice of like oh but this canal is opening oh but there's wow. a place i can go wow. there's a way out and that's where the warrior archetype comes that's where the fight comes it's B- bpm three so bpm two world collapses bpm three that's where the canal opens are you going to take the opening are you going to fight for your breath which is on the other side of that canal right and then four is that ecstatic yes fear but ecstasy but (gasps) and the world is different and and then there's all this stuff happening and then that's you know the gateway to actual ecstasy which is the birth into heaven which is reality yeah. you know which is our opportunity mixed with all the fear mixed with all the joy and bliss and exuberance but it isn't this contained everything is cool yeah. this is now oh we're in the real game now yeah you know and it comes with all the things but but yeah i i mean i think it's right obviously he's taking bpm one I, contrasted he, with he four just
1: broke it down even more which yeah. i find even more fascinating yeah and i think what we're even doing right now is so much part of the path forward. i think when people myself included deal with fear. What I used to do is pretend it didn't exist and if I did pretend it exists I would try to fight it. And just having open dialogues whether it's in therapy whether it's in a journal or whether it's with a friend in a conversation just acknowledging it releases so much of the pressure because the worst part about fear is when you don't talk about it Mm because then it becomes fear that you're ashamed of. Mm -hmm. And that shit is Mm -hmm. a lethal you know
0: yeah well it'll Cocktail. take hold it'll take hold of you it'll become it'll it'll consume you and the longer be, from, you don't come from behind yeah
1: there's a great my little sister my sister's like we're on this text thread and they just like send us you know uh <laughs> never said this before i don't even think my best friends know this we have a text thread called loving warriors <laughs> my mom and my my sisters mm-hmm. my brother-in-law and we just like send like inspirational like things and my little sister sent one last week and it said Oh, so beautiful. I want to try to say it as closely as I can. It said, don't sanitize your story. Trying to wipe away the imperfections is your biggest danger. Your story that you don't talk about will atrophy into shame. Whoa. And the word that hit me was atrophy.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Because the thing about muscle mass, right? Mm -hmm. It will atrophy. Atrophy. Into shame, like that's the natural progression of things you don't talk about. You become ashamed of it, and that really stuck with me.
0: Yep, fuck man, it's it's so true though. You know, I mean, and then the more you ignore it, the more it atrophies. The more shame that comes, the harder it is to pierce the veil. The harder it is to get in. The more suffering and pain you'll feel on the way as you actually dive into that fear. Right, like and sometimes that's the way sometimes it has to build to such a level that you finally can't take it anymore and that's how you learn you know And, and interestingly for me I mean one of the most challenging journeys has been my open relationship journey dealing with these deep insecurities and fears and I think you know I was the one who initiated it and it was all like hypothesis and conscious bypass and like yeah this is good love is in abundance everything's going to be cool and by telling myself that and like trying to reinforce that i started to develop more and more shame about the actual amount of jealousy that i was feeling Mm -hmm. the amount of insecurity that i was feeling until finally i couldn't ignore that anymore and i couldn't project that on this reason and you did this thing and this little minute thing which is the reason that i'm actually upset it's not this thing that i'm horribly fucking ashamed of which is that i'm a jealous little bitch right now right welcome like, to the club bro yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. like, we've been waiting for you <laughs> yeah, for a long time
0: right, right. <laughs> so like and then finally like accepting that then it's like or you know you just start like yeah. bouncing around like you're just getting you know, yard sale down a ski mountain with rocks and pine, You're bouncing off shit, but you're accepting. Like, okay, I'm jealous. Okay, I'm insecure here. Okay, I'm insecure about this. Okay, 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 okay. And then finally, you get your footing, mm. and then you can get back. But it's it's a really interesting process. And and if I would have been more honest, you know, and less ashamed the whole way, <laughs> it would have been a lot of smoother route. But that wasn't the route that you know I to learn i I wasn't able to do that dude mistakes are our greatest gift yeah
1: and if there were like by far the interview that changed me the most in the book taught me that because dude literally the journey of this think about how preposterous this is from like a big picture thing an 18 year old who's the son of immigrants who like literally his parents know like the local carpet dealer like that's my family (laughs) connections tries to go sit down with bill gates to learn the secrets of. You know business and success you know it's it's a fool's errand, you know, and I especially the fact that I thought I would do it in three months so what ended up happening is this journey was just a string of mistakes peppered in with wins you yep. know yep I thought it'd be the other way around
0: also known as life. <laughs> Dude, a dude. string of mistakes again dude where were you in when with, i was started this is I on you know. man this is on mistakes, you this, this is on you
1: i was too busy fucking. i <laughs> needed you on the prices right i needed you when i was chasing bill gates now you want to
0: enter my life man i don't know i don't know <laughs> man it's been a fucking pleasure to sit down with you brother you are such was, a fun guy that man. was one of the best stories i think that's been told here on the podcast for sure you and know I the other story my stepdad steve shubin telling his first ayahuasca story where he basically shit through the entire sanctuary when his greatest fear was shitting in public like that was a good story for sure so if you haven't listened to the steve shubin ayahuasca story episode that's that's uh, that's wow. really up there but this is this is definitely one of the best stories Dude, thank me, you man. so much man this for is sure. such a pleasure too yeah absolutely brother um and check out the book the third door I mean, look at all the things that had to happen for this book to come to fruition. So let's fucking give it a read, all of us. I'm going to read it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, brother. And follow you on social. What's Yeah. uh...
1: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all the same. It's just at Alex Benayan. Beautiful. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, man.
0: See you, everybody. Peace. I hope you guys enjoyed dropping in with Alex Benayan. Make sure to check out his book, The Third Door, available pretty much everywhere. And then also, if you're interested in hearing more from me, one of the best ways to keep in touch is my weekly newsletter. It's more like a personal diary. It's me just giving all of my thoughts for the week, anything that I'm working on, anything that I'm going through. So go to aubreymarcus.com and sign up for the newsletter. I don't send out a lot of mail, just pretty much once a week with my thoughts and a few notes on the podcast guests. So definitely check that out and keep a lookout for the relaunch of Go For Your Win 2.